0: Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alamin Lahu alhamdulhasan Wa althanau aljamil Wa shadu an la ilaha illallah Wahadahu la sharika lah Yaqululul haqqa wa huwa yahdi al-sabeel Wa shadu anna seyyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi Wa tabi'ina lahum bi ihsanin ila ad amma ba'd We were Going through Twenty points in how a person can attain knowledge We've already taken Fourteen Things that if a person Comes with He's on the path of gaining knowledge And attaining The understanding of the religion of Allah Azzawajal Today taala, We're going to do the last six بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Number 15 رَدُّ مُشْكِلِهِ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ When matters take place, contemporary issue happen, a calamity befall, take it back to the people of knowledge. Ask those who have knowledge, do not speak without no knowledge. If a person speaks about that which they have no knowledge of, the scholars said, they get prevented from gaining any knowledge. Because you are not truthful about what you previously gained. It blocks you off from attaining any future knowledge. So if anything happens, the Muslims go through a hardship, a calamity befall, don't speak about it. Don't say anything about it. Take it to the people of knowledge and wait for their verdict and what they say وَلِذَلِكَ the people are three types when the trials and the tribulations happen when calamities befall the people are three types the first one is people who turn away from the scholars قَوْمٌ أَعْرَضُ عَنِ اسْتِفْتَاءِ الْعُلَمَاءِ فِيهَا A group of people who don't go to the scholars. They don't go to the people of knowledge. And so what do they go to? They go back to their desires. And their own opinions. And they base the religion of Allah on their own whims and desires. The second type of people are a people who present the matter to the scholars. They bring it to the scholars. They bring the matter to the scholar not to take it. But to see if the scholar is in line with their desires. And if he is, they take it. They say, Sheikh, so and so agreed with me. But if the scholar says, What you're asking me, the ruling for it is this, 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 and it is not in line with what is in his mind, he will reject what the scholar says. So he initially brings it to the scholar. He presents the issue to the scholar, but only to see if the scholar agrees with him only to see if the scholar agrees with him and if the scholar agrees with him he takes it if not he diverts from it and he turns away from it the reason why this person and the one before they have a problem is because they have taken a stance prior to knowledge Before knowledge Whereas what what should it have been? Your view Your opinion Should come after you hear the ruling of Allah And not before that And so whenever a person believes in something And he takes a stance It's really hard for him to take what anyone else has to say the third type of people are Fitan, those who are safe from trials and tribulations. What is it? They bring the matter to the scholars, and they ask the people of knowledge what they think of this issue. And what is the view of Allah? what is the sorry, the statement of Allah and the statement of the messenger in this issue. And so when the scholar gives the verdict and he gives the ruling of Allah in the issue, they take it. They surrender to it. Even if it opposes and it goes against their desires. Even if it goes against their own opinion. They take the statement of the scholar and they follow it. This is where safety lies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Qur'an, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you do not know a matter, take it to the people of knowledge. Ask them. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَإِذَا جَاءَهُمْ أَمْرٌ مِنَ الْأَمْنِ أَوِ الْخَوْفِ بِهِ وَلَوْ رَدُّوهُ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ وَإِلَىٰ الْأَمْرِ مِنْهُمْ, لعلمه الذين منهم. If only they bought the matter back to Allah and His Messenger and the people of knowledge. If only they did, Allah, His Messenger and the people of knowledge. Allah tells us, if they did that, there would have come great things for them. But the people, they like to take their own verdicts and their own opinions. Especially, when the person thinks he has gained knowledge and he has some understanding of the religion. He thinks he can give verdicts. An answer. This is gur, deception of Shaitan. Number 16. Respecting, venerating, glorifying the gatherings of knowledge, the circles of knowledge, respecting it veneration, the way you sit to take knowledge and also respecting the book in which you're taking the knowledge from respecting it not putting it on the floor not putting it on your leg not placing your saliva when you want to turn the page over one of the great scholars said to one of his students don't use your saliva when you want to turn over the page so he said to him Is there anything wrong with it? The sheikh said to him The sheikh took a saliva from his mouth And he, placed, he wanted to place on the cheek of the student And the student moved And the sheikh said Is there a problem? He said yes Saliva on my cheek He said this is the kalam of Allah and his messenger And the kalam of the people of knowledge Which has verses, a hadith in it it doesn't deserve your saliva صح? so the person should respect the book and what they're reading from and venerate it the scholars they say majalis sul ulama'i, the gatherings of scholars is like majalis al like the circles and the gatherings of the prophets and the scholar that said sahl ibn sahl ibn abdullah he said من أراد anyone who wants to see and ينظر إلى مجالس الأنبياء anyone who wants to see the gatherings of the prophets, the circles of the prophets, فلينظر إلى مجالس العلماء look at the gatherings and the circles of the scholars. How يجيء الرجل فيقول a man comes. And he says to the scholar, or he says to the Prophet, what is the ruling regarding this particular issue? And the Prophet will say, this is what Allah said. And this is what the ruling in this issue is. And the scholar is the same. The people will come to him and they will ask him, what is the ruling in this issue? What is the hukum of Allah in this issue? And he will say, it is permissible, it's not permissible. He said, this shows you that this is unique for who? Only the gatherings of the prophets and the scholars. They are the ones who can speak on behalf of Allah. And say, so this is what Allah meant. The prophets and who? The scholars and the people of knowledge. And Imam Malik, he said, Imam Dari Ijra, he said, إِنَّ al-ulama, The gatherings of the scholars, تُحْضَنَوا بِالْخُشُوعِ إِنَّ مَجَالِسَ الْعُلَمَاءِ تُحْضَنُوا بِالْخُشُوعِ وَالسَّكِينَةِ وَالْوَقَارِ الإمام مالك Malikin he said The gatherings of knowledge The way that you be in it Is with tranquility, calmness No to, Don't move too much Be tranquil If you look at the Sahabas when the messenger will talk to them And he will address them What will the narration say? It was like a bird was on our head The bird would only go on a head That doesn't move We are still We don't move When the messenger is talking We don't move We are still And it's that way that the person needs to be in the gatherings of the scholars. Abdul Rahman ibn Mahdi. Abdul Rahman ibn Mahdi rahimahullah. It was said, لا يتحدث في مجلسه. No one will ever speak in his gathering. He was teaching, no one can talk. ولا فيه قلم. No one can sharpen their pen in his gathering. ولا يتبسم فيه أحد. And no one can smile in the gathering of Abdul Rahman ibn Mahdi. It was khushu' It was humility, humbleness, quiet Gaining knowledge, respect In the way that they sat It was said in his gathering It was like they were praying The people, quiet Nobody saying anything to anyone next to them It was like the people were in the middle of the prayer how they were in his gathering. Waqi' ibn Jarrah al Ru'asi rahimahullah. So, when the student of knowledge comes to these gatherings to gain knowledge, if you don't show respect in the gathering, then are you going to show respect to the knowledge? And if you do not respect the knowledge, will Allah favor you with more knowledge? Will He bless you with more knowledge? When you haven't shown respect in the way that you sit. To the knowledge that you're learning. No. So the person should stay away from bad manners in the gathering. Don't talk to the person next to you. Do not move too much. Stay away from that. Do not lean on somewhere. Stay away from that. Do not take your eye off the shaykh. Don't look around. What did we just say? Waqi' ibn Jarrah ruasi in his gathering, it was like a prayer, meaning no one would look around. In the salah, can you look around? No. They would focus on the sheikh and they would keep their eye on him. They would make no noise. They wouldn't play with anything. If they pen or object or their fingers or their hands, they wouldn't. They would focus on him. If one of them sneezed, he would make sure that the sneezing wasn't loud so the sheikh can hear it. They would make sure they didn't do that. If one of them yawned, he would look down to make sure that the sheik doesn't see you yawning. Because it could be a sign that I'm bored with what you're saying. Also, the person needs to respect the, the book that they're carrying. The book that you're learning from. And that you're taking, respect it. Look after it. Don't place it next to your legs. And etc. وَلِذَلِكَ الْإِمَامُ أَحْمَدْ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ one day he saw Ishaq ibn Rahuya Ahmad Abu Abdullah Ahmad ibn Hanbal he saw Ishaq ibn Rahuya throw a book Ishaq is a great imam but he threw a book and then Imam Muhammad He said to him al-abrār is that how you treat is that how you treat the, the works and the books and the speech of the people of righteousness so a person should respect the gathering of knowledge and also respect the book. Number 17. 'an al-'ilm wa al-thawdhu Defending knowledge. To defend knowledge. To protect it. And to protect its boundaries. A student of knowledge needs to protect knowledge. You need to respect and protect the boundaries of knowledge. And the scholars, they used to protect knowledge from many things. From the things that they used to protect it from was anyone who opposes it. And so they used to refute and respond and debunk anybody who opposed the way that knowledge should be. The reason is because if, if the religion is not protected, then what will happen is over time, the religion will change like the Christians and the Jews' religion changed. Their religion tainted. Why did it change? Because it wasn't protected from those who were told to protect it. They forsaked it. They watched the ones who wanted to change the scripture to change it. So it didn't stop them And so their religion became As Allah mentions to us in the Quran يُحَرِّفُونَ الْكَلِمَةِ عَمَّ وَاضِعِهِ the, Their scripture got changed and altered النال, Islam The scholars didn't let that happen to it So they defended it They protected it And they made sure that no one can tamper with this deen And that it can stay Original as it came from Allah عز wa So that's the first way that they used to protect knowledge al Responding and debunking The one who wants to oppose the way of knowledge And the deen of Allah عز و وَلِذَلِكَ إِمَامُ أَحْمَدَ What did he say? No one came to us From the other side أَعْلَمُ مِنْ إِسْحَاقُ بْنُ راهوية. More knowledgeable than Ishaq Ahmad is saying, Imam Ahmad is saying this no one came to us more knowledgeable from on the other side of the bridge on the other side of the ocean more knowledgeable than Ishaq except that we would refute each other on some issues we wouldn't agree on everything ah. whatever, whatever, whatever Imam Ahmad saw to be right he would say to Ishaq this is what's right and if Ishaq saw something to be right he would say to what? He would say to him, This is what's right. Walidarika al Imamu Ahmad was a student of who? Al Imamu? Al Shafi'i. But did he agree with him in everything? لا. No. Whatever he saw Shafi'i to be in line with the evidence, he took it from him. And whatever he saw that Shafi'i was wrong in, Ahmad didn't accept it from him. But he respected Shafi'i. He honored him. He venerated him. But when the Issue was what is right from what is wrong. Ahmed would take the path that was right to him. The second thing that the scholars would do to protect knowledge was hajru al Mubtadi'. Anyone who adds anything into the religion, they would boycott him, they would stay away from him. And Al Imam Abu Ya'la al farra he brought a consent in this issue. Ijma'. Abu Ya'la al farra he brought a consent. That this is one of the ways to protect the religion. Why is it? Because if people of great knowledge and like Imam Ahmed Masalin and Al Imam Shafi'i, Al Imam Malik, and the likes of these Imams, if they boycott somebody and they tell the people to stay away from him, will his corrupt beliefs carry on? No, it will die. It will extinguish anything that he's coming with, it will die. Because the people respect these Imams. And they look up to these Imams. And so, one of the ways that they would protect the religion is that they would stay away from that person. So he feels lonely, and then he comes to his senses, and then he comes back to what is right. So, it was a way to what? It was a way to protect the religion of Allah Azza wa Jal. And it was also a way to save the person as well Because Whatever hardship that he's put in this world It's nothing in comparison to the hereafter The punishment that might wait for him So this is a second, uh, second way That the scholars will protect knowledge وَلِذَلِكَ I mentioned Abu Ya'la brought an ijma' in that issue Number three The third way that they would protect knowledge is they will scold and they will rebuke the student of knowledge and the one who is seeking knowledge if he came with anything that was wrong. If the student came with bad manners or he came with a mistake or disrespect they will tell him off. وَلِذَلِكَ عَبْدُ بِنُ Mahdi if anybody spoke in his gathering either أَحْدٌ فِي majlisi, if somebody spoke in his gathering أو بُرِئَ akalamun, or somebody sharpened their pencil or they started to make noises with their pencil صَاحَ he, he would scream and he would shout at the person وَلَبِسَنَ عَلَيْهِ he would put his shoes on and he would go into his house and he would say this is not a gathering of religion Abdul Rahman ibn Mahdi, if anybody spoke in his gathering, and they made a noise in his gathering, he would shout at that person, and he would take, look, grab his shoes, and he would leave. ibn Jarrah al-Ru'asi, rahimahullah, if anybody spoke in his gathering, in ta'ala wa he would put his shoes on, and he would go to his house. And he would leave the gathering. Wa li Muhammad ibn Ibrahim, rahimahullah, he, was, he used to do this very often. That if somebody spoke in his gathering or they did something that showed disrespect, respect for knowledge and respect for the religion of Allah, he would stand up and he would leave. Sufyan so al Thawri, the great Imam, a man came to his gathering one day. He came to the gathering and maybe he had some knowledge, so he thought he was a leader. So in the gathering he started to explain things to people while the halqa is going on he started to tell the people what Allah what the sheikh means and he was he wanted to be somehow a leader in the gathering yataras he wanted to have some weight in the group and he wanted to be somehow in control when he saw that sufyan became so angry and then he said lam yakun islafu the Salaf were never like this. Yakun Salafu The pious predecessors, the early generation, they were never like this. None of them would want to go forward and put himself in in front. Sadri, and he would never want to be in front of the people and talk and teach like that. No. Hatta sana. Until he sought knowledge for thirty years. وَأَنْتَ تَتَكَبَّرُ عَلَىٰ And here you are becoming arrogant in front of people and in front of someone who is more aged than you. قُمْ Stand up for my halaqah. Stand up. I should never see you come close to my halaqah ever again. Don't come here ever again. The reason they did this is because this is the speech of Allah. This is the speech of the Messenger. And it deserves to be respected. What does it deserve? It deserves to be respected. Well, the Salaf they used to say, if you ever see a young person speaking in front of the people of knowledge. In front of people of knowledge, he's talking. even if he, قد بلغ من العلم مبلغا, even if he reached a high level in knowledge. Even if he's very knowledgeable, فَأَيْيَسْ مِنْهُ Give up من مِنْ خَيْرِهِ Don't hope any khair for this person anymore فَإِنَّهُ قَلِيلُ Hayai Because this person has little shyness A alim is there in front of you Even if you know the hadith And you know it off the top of your head And the sheikh is looking for the hadith Don't say anything Be quiet Let him talk don't speak in the presence of a person of knowledge. Sh- older than you especially. Be quiet. Listen. Be attentive. The salaf they used to say, even if he says something that he's told you before, act like it was the first time he told you. adab So these are respect for the knowledge and its people. If the student does not respect knowledge, this is how they would honor knowledge by boycotting him. Number 18. Observe the way that you place or the way that you put your question forward to the shaykh or the scholar. Observe how you place your question forward and how you ask People don't understand that scholars wrote books on how to ask questions. Mufti wal Mustafti. The etiquettes of the mufti, the one that's giving the verdict, and the etiquettes of the one that's asking the question. Scholars wrote how to ask questions. And the way that they mentioned that the question should be asked, they said it revolves around four usul. Four foundations If you want to ask a sheikh a question These are the four usul. These are the four fundamental things That you need to observe These are what? Four fundamental things that you need to observe Number one Ask yourself Why are you asking this question? Number one Ask yourself Question yourself. Why are you asking the Sheikh the question? For what's the reason? What is the purpose in why you're asking? And what is making you ask him? The answer to that question is The answer should be, I want to learn. I want to educate myself. That should, be, that should be your answer. Some people... When they ask questions, they have a ill motive behind it, and they are sick in why they ask. Well, can listen to this story. Al Imam al-Qarafi, rahimahullah, the great Maliki scholar. Al Imam al-Qarafi, he has a book called "Akham," it's called "Akham al-Anam," "Qawaid al-Akham," "Fi Masalih al-Anam." The Imam al-Qarafi, rahimahullah. He said, or there's a story. One day he was asked about marriage in Qahira. Somebody came up to him and they said to him, Shaykh al-Imam al-Qarafi, is it permissible for me to get married in Cairo, Now This is a strange question. Why would it be wrong? What would be wrong about marrying in Cairo? So al-Imam al-Qarafi rahimahullah Understood from this question There may be a reason and a motive And something behind it So he said to him When he asked him the question What is the reason why you are asking this question? So I know your motive behind it So I know why you want to know And then he said The reason why is we wanted to get married outside Qahira Munina. We were prevented He wanted to get a woman Go outside Cairo and get married to her Without the permission of her guardian Her father And we were prevented And so he wanted to place the question in a way which was what? are we allowed to marry in Cairo? But doesn't want to mention the part without the permission of the and then later he wants to say that Qarafi said I can marry without the permission of I can marry in Cairo The question is the situation is that he wants to marry without the permission of the wali He said we were told we can't marry outside Cairo So I want to know can we marry in Cairo can we marry in Cairo means Can we marry in Cairo without the permission of the wali But he cut the last part of the question So if the sheikh says Yeah you can marry in Cairo He's going to say I asked the sheikh if I can marry in Cairo Without the permission of the wali And he said yes So Imam Al-Qarafi When he realized this question Of what was really behind it What did he say? He said No, no, it's not permissible No in Cairo, not outside it And sometimes that happens, they just need a part of you saying the question They're going to cut the first part and the last part out of the video or the recording So they just need this part specifically So the person should always find out What the question is asking you, what is the reason behind it? Why? What's his motive? And then once he tells you his motive, reconstruct the answer again Are we all together brothers? What do I mean reconstructed? Say the question and the answer together So even if it gets taken from you Both of them cannot be taken away from one another For example For example Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah Sometimes would be asked a question And the person would say Shaykh Is it permissible for me to do this, this, this? The Shaykh doesn't know the company for example he doesn't know this company that you're asking about. He doesn't know the reality. He doesn't know it. So what the sheikh does is he says, if this company involves this, 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 this is haram. And if it doesn't, then it's halal. Are we all together brothers? So even if you say he made it permissible, he made it permissible with shuruat conditions. Are we all together brothers? Number two, when you want to ask a question, you need to observe is number two, tafattun ila ma yasalu anhu. Ask something that's beneficial for you. The question that you're asking, let it be something that's going to benefit you. Don't ask something that's not beneficial. A man came to Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah and he said to him, Ya'juj ya and Ma'juj, ma are they Muslims? Ya'juj ya and Ma'juj, ma are they Muslims? And then Imam Ahmad said to him, Ilma, did you master all of the knowledge that you now have to come and ask about whether Ya'juj or Ma'juj are Muslims? Huh? You have more important questions to ask. It's like you mastered all of the other knowledges now you just want to know if Ya'juj and Ma'juj are Muslims. If you find out, what benefit will it give you? Will your Iman increase? Are you going to learn a fiqh issue out of it? Is it going to perfect your Salah? An example like this is those who say The dog of Ashabul Kafi. What type of dog was it? Was it a chihuahua? Was it a German shepherd? What type of dog was with him? What benefit do you get from it? Are we all together? لذلك Some of the ulama were once asked Did Shaytan get married? Did he have a wedding and get married? And the scholars would say That is a wedding we were not invited at That is a wedding We weren't invited. That's a question that has no benefit for you. If you find out that Iblis had a wedding and he got married and that's how he had his children, what benefit does he give you? No benefit. So ask a question that benefits you. That will increase your iman and that you will take khairah out of it. Number three. Look at the shaykh's situation before you ask the question. Is he happy? Is he in a state of joy? Is he busy? Um, is he walking? Is he with his family, his wife and children? Look at the situation. Don't just sh- see the shaykh and pound on him. Look at the salahiyya to halish shaykh. Look at the situation of the shaykh and his affairs. If you see he's stressed, he's got his hand on his ch- and he's stressed. And he's worried about something, don't ask him. If you can see that he's walking on the street, don't ask him. If he's in his car and he's doing don't ask him, these are situations that the person should avoid. Walid about Tufail. About Tufail rahimahullah. A man came up to him and he asked him a question. He said this. About tufail was asked a question one day, and then he looked at the person who was asking him the question. And he said, إِنَّ لِكُلِّ مَقَامٍ مَقَالٍ إِنَّ لِكُلِّ Every situation, there's a statement for it. And it's not the right place for me to speak right now. Abdullah ibn Mubarak, a man asked him a question while he was walking. And then he looked at him and he said to him, لَيْسَ هَذَا مِن تَوْقِيرِ This is not respecting knowledge. What you're doing, asking me a question while I'm walking. This is not respecting knowledge. Abdurrahman ibn ibn Abi Layla he used to dislike and yus'ala wa huwa yamshi. He hated anyone to ask him question while he's walking. So look at the situation of the teacher when you want to ask him a question. Number four.
1: Number
0: four. النظر look at how you ask the question what are you going to say first when you speak what you should say first before you ask the question is making dua for the teacher think and ponder on how you're going to structure your question how do you start by making dua for the shaykh Say, may Allah reward you for the good that you're putting forward And the khayr that you're doing And the effort that you're exerting Barakallahu lak May Allah place baraka on you Shaykh, I wanted to ask you And then put your question When you ask the question Ask it in a structured manner Don't make your question a lecture Some people, they speak for five minutes Then when he finishes, you'll say, what was the question? I didn't get the question So learn To structure your question And in this point brothers I would say that Before you ask The question And you structure the question Remember that the wordings that you could use Could always play A role in the verdict that comes out From the Imam or the Sheikh Are we all together brothers? The fact that you put one thing before another thing can change the verdict. Some people say to you, what's the difference between the order? Okay, example. To show you that order is vital in a human's life and rather in the religion, imagine a woman. Her husband, a a man wants to get married to a woman. And the imam is here and the father is here and they're going to do the nikah. The woman is waiting for the husband in A in, the, in, in their house, but he first has to come where, he has to come to the sheikh, has to come to the father, and the nikah has done. Imagine he goes to the house first. Is that right? Can he go to the house first? But where does he come first? The nikah has to happen first. After the nikah. Can he go to his wife? And eh, what's the difference? It's the order. The taqdeeem and the taakhir is vital. The same is when you construct a question, it's vital. Especially if you're talking about an event. Every word that you're using can play a role in the verdict. Well, some brothers, what they do is, they they have a question. And so they go to these online websites. And they read it. And they say, yes, this is my question. And they look at the answer and they say, this answer is for me. No, because it means you have knowledge to say that this question and my question is the same. Who gave you that knowledge? How do you know your question and your situation is exactly the same as that situation? Are you with me brothers? And then when you look at the answer, how do you know that this question and this, uh, this answer was specifically made for this particular person? Because of that which the sheikh was aware of. So, taking a question off a website is incorrect. Are we all together, brothers? The question should always be made to the scholars and the people of knowledge. Are we all together, brothers? Wasn't the Prophet asked one question by two people and he gave two different verdicts? Did he not? Yeah. One question. Namilahi Muhammad was asked, and both times he gave two different rulings. A man said, Ya Rasulullah, am I allowed to kiss my wife in Ramadan? The Prophet said to him, yes you can. Another one came, he said, no you can't. The first one was old and the second one was young. But the first one could have said, the fact that the Prophet let like the old one, then it means it's permissible for me. No. The verdict can change based on the person that is being spoken to. Are we all together brothers? So, make sure that you look at the question and how it's structured. Walidarika, Al Imam Ja'far ibn Abi Uthman, he said, We were with Yahya ibn Ma'in one day. فَجَاءَهُ رَجُلٌ a man came to him, Musta'jilun. A man that was rushing, he was running. And he came to Yahya ibn Ma'in. Yahya ibn Ma'in is with Imam Ahmed, and they're together, same time, same era. So, he said to Yahya ibn Ma'in, Hadith ni Bishayin, say something to me that I can remember you with. Tell me something I can remember you with. Something whenever I remember, I remember you with. And then he said to him, and أنك Remember me. أنك Tani, that you asked me for something. For me to tell you it. Falam أَفْعَلَ And I never did it for you. Remember me with that, inshallah. If you want to remember me, remember me that you asked me for something and I said to you, I want to do it for you. Because the way he structured his question was what? Was not in a manner that Yahya ibn Ma'in was pleased with. Are we all together brothers? So you need to watch the way you ask questions. Walilika A man came to Zayd ibn Aslamin and he asked him a question and he did not like how he asked the question. And then he said to him, "Idhab, Go فَتَعَلَّمْ Learn how to ask questions Thumma ta'al fas'al, And then come and ask me the question. You don't even know how to ask questions So it's important to know how to ask questions Number 19 Having truthfulness for knowledge Being a person who's truthful to knowledge You're loyal to knowledge you are what? You are loyal. When it comes to knowledge, you are loyal. To knowledge. And that knowledge overcomes you in everything. al alam ibn al-Qayyim said something very powerful in his kitab, Miftah Sa'ada. He said, وَمَنْ لم يغلب لذة Anyone who the desire of knowledge and the passion that he has for knowledge does not overcome the, the desires that he has for otherworldly matters this person will not gain a level in knowledge unless knowledge becomes more to you than money and knowledge becomes more valuable to you and more joyful than everything else you're not going to gain good station in knowledge. It has to overcome your heart. The other day I was reading the kitab Rawdatul Muhibbin by Ibn Qayyim. Rawdatul Muhibbin is the garden of those in love. And Ibn Al-Qayyim speaks about in that book that some of the scholars they love their books so much and they were into their books and the passion that they had for their books and their works was far greater than the most beautiful woman ever. They would what? They love their works and they love their books. Some of the scholars, subhanAllah, just so they can gain a book or they could go on a journey, a journey to meet a scholar somewhere so they can hear one hadith from him. And the only money left that they have is the money for their children. What would they do? They would take that money and they would buy a riding beast to go to the sheikh Sometimes they will sell their children's pots And pans They will take it to the market And they will sell the pot And they will sell the pan And they will sell the product in the house So they can get money from that And they could buy a riding beast, a donkey And then they can go to the imam to get the hadith from him It took everything of their lives Ibn al-Qayyim says Rahimahullah That to have the sweetness of knowledge Three things are needed If you want to taste the sweetness of knowledge Ladlatul ilm Sweetness of knowledge Number one is Badlul wus'i wal jahdi Exert every effort Number one Exert every effort that you have Number two Sidq al-talab be truthful to knowledge. Don't be a person who is seeking knowledge for maybe to become a qadi, a judge so you can get money for it or maybe you can get married or you can, maybe you can, people can say Allah Akbar he has got knowledge so they can give you money. Don't be like that. Sidq al talab Let the seeking of knowledge be sincere, truthful. You're not like you love knowledge. Number three is niyati wal Sincerity. Pay attention. What's the difference between Sidq al-Talab and Ikhlas? So what is the difference between Sidq and Ikhlas? The scholars, they say the difference is Sidq means that you do not associate anything with knowledge when you're doing it. So, When you're seeking knowledge, you're giving all your time and your life to knowledge. And Ikhlas is that you're doing it for Allah's sake. And Ikhlas is What? You're doing it for Allah's sake subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the difference between the two. Between the second one and the third one. The second one is that when you're seeking knowledge, you are wholeheartedly seeking knowledge. When you're driving to work, you're listening to the dars. When you go to work, you focus on your work. As soon as you leave it, you put your dars on. The lesson that you want to listen to. When you go home, you open your notes and you start reading. Before you sleep, you just read something. All the time you're exerting And you're putting in time for knowledge That's what it is All those three, Ibn al-Qayyim says They are what brings about Sweetness of knowledge Are we all together? The sweetness of knowledge And brothers The scholars The way that they love knowledge Wasn't only to them Even the people who gained the dunya When they saw the scholars They also felt that they wish they were like that. The, lead, the Abbasi leader, the Abbasi khalifa, Abu Ja'far al-Mansur. Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, do you know who he is? Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, his kingdom, it reached Mashariq al-Ardi wa He conquered everywhere. Power. His armies were everywhere. They said that, at that time, Harun al-Rashid and Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, that they used to look at the clouds. They used to look at the clouds. And they would say to the clouds, "Cloud." Go wherever you want. Go wherever you want. Rain on wherever place you want. Wherever you rain, the crops that come from it will come back to us. It's either Muslims and they're going to have to pay zakat. Or the disbelievers are going to pay jizya. Either way, the money is going to come back to the khilafah. How far, far the Khilafa of Abu Ja'far al-Mansur was. He had the dunya now. Right? He has it under his hand. So one day they asked him when they saw how he was and the power that he had, they said to him, Is there any joy in this dunya that you haven't gained? Is there any joy in the dunya that you wish you could have that you haven't? And he said, Yes. He said, What is it? What is it that you could ask for that you wouldn't get? He said that Joy that I would love. He said, بَقِيَتْ خَصَّلَةٌ and أَقْعُدَ عَلَى مصبة. That I sit on a high chair. وَحَوْلِ أَصْحَابِ الْحَدِيثِ And around me are the people of hadith. فَيَقُولُ المستملي. And then I read, I read to him the hadith. And I say to him, قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا had an to the Messenger. وسلم, and that I could bring a chain. I, this is my dream. That I can go to Halakah, I could cross my feet, sit there, and there are students under me with their books and their writing, and I narrate a chain from myself to the Prophet. This is the joy that I would wish to gain, he said. Also, another Ibn Rahimahullah he said something very powerful. He said A person will never gain the joy of knowledge Until he becomes hungry And he forgets that he was hungry You're never going to gain knowledge Until you become hungry And then you actually forget that you are hungry Because knowledge just overtook you Because of the reading Or because of the halaqah And what the sheikh was saying It made you forget your breakfast It made you forget the food that you wanted to eat Are you with me brothers? That later you go, ah, i got pain You know, subhanAllah, I didn't eat since this morning I never ate since this morning Until that happens to you, you don't taste the sweetness of knowledge And that it takes everything from you The last one is brothers, safeguard and protect your time Value your time Respect and value your time A student of knowledge should value his time If you look at yourself today You are a component You are just time that came together Nothing else And if you ever regret anything Why do you regret it for? Because of the time that you didn't benefit from it Any regret that you ever see a person go through Is because of time So time is value the most valuable thing. Ibn al said in his kitab, Sayyidul Khatir, He says, A person should know the value of his time. That particular time that you're living, this age that you're in, you need to know its value. وَقَدْرَ وَقْتِهِ And the importance of your time. فلا يضيع. فلا يضيع Don't waste a split second except getting closer to Allah. And that every split second you do the best speech and the best action. You don't just benefit from the time, but you think of what's the best thing I can actually do. I'm now going to mention some of the scholars how they benefited from their time. I'm going to mention quickly some examples. From them is Muhammad ibn Abdul Baqir. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Muhammad ibn Baqi al Bazar He said, Ma I never wasted a split second of my life. لعبين, playing around. When I matured, I never ever wasted a minute, a split second of my time in joking and laughing. Never. Abu ibn Aqil rahimahullah he said. Abu al ibn Aqil, what was he? He was a man who wrote 800 volumes. Kitab al Funun. He has a book called Al Funun. How many volumes? 800 volumes. We lost it. We don't have it. It's from the books that were lost in the Islamic world. He said, For me, it's impossible and it's not right for me to waste any minute of my life. And they said that what he used to do was, in order not to waste time, even when he's eating, he would make sure that he got somebody to feed him. So he can benefit from his time. Ah. Even at times of eating, they used to get somebody to break the food up for them. Into pieces. And they would make sure that they eat. وَلِذَلَلِكَ أَحْمَدٍ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ It said that he would read even when he was eating. He would read. He would. And if he had something in his mouth and he couldn't read, he would get somebody to read for him. Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah's granddad. Ibn Taymiyyah's granddad. Whenever he would go to the toilet and do his call of nature, because he can't read anything, he would make somebody stand outside and read so he can listen. <inaudible> <inaudible> he used to say to the person, اِقْرَأْ <inaudible> Read from this book and raise your voice. I want to hear you. And he would listen. This is how they were The way that they used to also benefit from their time Is the lessons that they used to go to Al-Imam al-Nawawi Every day he would go to 12 lessons 12 lessons each day And he would study Al-Imam al-Shawkani rahimahullah They said that the lessons that he used to take Fil-yawmi Day and night Was 13 lessons. 13 lessons 13 he would Muhammad al-Alusi rahimahullah the one who wrote the tafsir book it said that he used to have every day 24 lessons he used to have 24 lessons but when he became busy with qada he became a judge and he became he became he took a high position he reduced his classes into 13 which he used to teach Also, how many times that they would read. And they would go over books. Ibn Tabban, it was said that the Mudawwana, he read it a thousand times. A thousand times he read it. Al-Abbas al Farsi, rahimahullah, al-Farisi rahimahullah, he wrote a thousand times the Mudawwana. A thousand times. Abdul Rahman, who is the father of Ibn Atiyya rahimahullah, he read Sahih al-Bukhari seven hundred times. Ahmed ibn Abd al-Daim al-Maqdisi, who is one of the great shuyukh of the Hanabila, it said that he wrote with his own hand a thousand volumes. He wrote it with his what? He wrote it with his own hand. These were all because of the fact that they benefited from their time, and so. Time is something that's so valuable, but ma'adarika you see that the people they let it go by fast. Time is the most valuable thing. It's more valuable than money. If somebody today took money from you, they can give it back to you and that's no problem. The time that went will never come back. Never. And so some of the Salaf they used to say, That we honor time more than some of you honor what? Your dinars and darahims. The way that we value time and respect our time is far greater than what? Than the way you look after your money. These 20 insha'Allah ta'ala steps if a student of knowledge observes insha'Allah ta'ala and he looks after them insha'Allah ta'ala wa karami. With Allah's generosity and kindness, Allah will open the doors of knowledge for you. And you will come to know what you didn't know. You will come to know that which you did, that which you didn't know. As for what books are we going to cover, and how are we going to do each book and everything, that inshaAllah is a program that's going to start September بِإِذْنِ The details pertaining to that, the understanding pertaining to that, Insha'Allah ta'ala, uh, will come September. September you're gonna have a curriculum in which the first year you're going to do an introduction to all of the sciences. So you're going to do madhal to hadith, fiqh, tafsir, usul, nahu, introduction to all of the sciences, overview. When did the science start? Who wrote it first? Why, what, was this, what was the reasons why it was written What are the books that are written in this science An introduction an Overview And how it came about That will be the first year for All of it inshaAllah And then after that We'll set you the curriculum that I will mention for you When that time comes InshaAllah anything which I have said that was wrong Or incorrect Any mistakes that came from me Whilst I was going through this class and all of the other previous classes, any mistakes I might have done, is from me and Shaytan, and Allah and His Messenger are free from it. Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, astaghfiru atubu ilay. Does anyone have any questions? Anyone, Faddal? Wa alaykum as Naan. The truthfulness for knowledge means that the person has no other hidden motive No hidden agenda There are some people When they want to gain knowledge The reason why they're doing it Maybe is because it's become a trend ah, People are all seeking knowledge Okay yo, everybody's doing it ah, Some people might go into seeking knowledge Because they want to be leaders They like the idea of people taking from them And they want to be a reference point for everybody Or the person might do it because they want to get married and maybe they think, okay, this is the way to get married. This is not صدق في talabihi You're not truthful in seeking knowledge. And ولذلك Allah can see the hearts. Allah knows Allah knows what's being in the hearts. If Allah doesn't see that see in you that genuine feeling towards knowledge, this prevents you from gaining it. You can deceive the people. But you can't what? Can't deceive Allah. So you don't you don't associate partners with knowledge. You don't do shirk with knowledge. Klas. Only knowledge when you're seeking it. And that you give everything that you own. they said, Man al ilm anyone who gives everything to knowledge, what does knowledge do? It will give you something back in return. But you have to give knowledge everything you have. If you hold back, it will hold back. If you hold back from knowledge, it will hold back from you. And if you look at anybody who passes you, who went before you, who is better than you, who is greater than you in in something, he's only greater than you because he's putting more than you're putting. He's taking that extra step that you're choosing not to take. The times that you're choosing to laugh, enjoy yourself, sleep, you're doing things, he's saying, no, I don't want to do that. I want to read I want to memorize That's the only difference But some people think Allah gifted this person No It's not necessarily the case It's because he chose To cut from his sleep 8 hours people sleep He said oh, you know, I'm going to cut it Cut it into half Maybe 4 hours 5 hours I'm going to sleep After a year He's 5 hours Is it not going to show? Is it not going to show on him? Of course it's going to show that he's a person who slept five hours and the rest of the time he was reading, studying, learning. You slept ten hours, twelve hours. Are you both going to be the same in knowledge? Huh? No. No, you're both not going to be the same. This person who chose to sleep five hours, who chose to read more, who chose to look into the knowledge more, it will start showing on him. He starts showing on his mouth, his, knowledge, his brain, everything. His understanding vastness. Insha'Allah ta'ala, the brothers are going to announce uh, some information that you need to know. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullah. khayyam.